If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisntdead.com. A strip mall off the turnpike in New Jersey, looking for lunch. From where I stand by my truck, this could be anywhere. We must have decided this, right? At some point? That we wanted it all to look the same? And I can understand that decision. But we all like to feel somewhere familiar. Now we can have that feeling wherever we are. No matter the climate or geography, you come inside the chain and you are exactly where you were before. Like there is a magic door to the city you feel most comfortable in. It's a positive that can't be denied. But we have paid a price for this. Sylvia laughed and pulled my arm. (laughs) I know, she said. You're thinking your big thoughts so you can have something profound to say on the radio later, but I am starving. Can't a lady have thoughts in peace occasionally? I said. A lady spends all her time on her ass thinking, and right now it's lunchtime, she said. Ooh, burgers. In between a Chipotle and a Quiznos was a storefront that twisted my guts. I tried to process what I was seeing. Let's eat there, Sylvia said, already walking toward it. The design of the place was as clean and interchangeable as any other restaurant in the strip mall. But there was the sign in the shape of a burger. The sign said, Praxis. Isn't Dead by Joseph Fink, performed by Jessica Nicole, produced by Disparition. Part 2, Chapter 4, Chain. The inside was a simple counter and a couple tables with plastic chairs. The wall was papered in comic book covers, although I didn't recognize any of the characters. Tiptoe Woman, one was called. Another called The Incredible Man Who Cries. I might get a chicken sandwich, Sylvia said. Is that weird, getting chicken at a burger place? I forgot how alone I was until I wasn't anymore. Having Sylvia here has been nice. And maybe I feel guilty about that, because she's still a teenager, and she should be living in a stable home, going to school and being a kid, not circling this country with me. But I'm not the one that murdered Sylvia's mother and left her with the same obsession I have. She came to me for a specific reason, but first I have routes I need to run, and she's content to run them with me. Bay and Creek is unlikely to fire me, 
but I have been flat out ignoring delivery schedules and I think I need to actually drive a truck for work occasionally. What can I get you? The guy behind the counter had thinning hair under a little paper cap. The cap said Praxis. Uh, what's good? I said. Burger's okay. I ordered a burger, and Sylvia, after some vacillation, did the same. He wrote up the order on a slip and pushed it toward the woman at the grill without looking at her. Two burgers up in a moment, she said. The man did not acknowledge this. What's your name? said Sylvia. Ramon, he said. And I'm Donna, said the woman in the kitchen, as she slapped a fistful of ground meat on the flat top and smashed it with a spatula. He won't introduce me. He doesn't talk to me. <laughs> Why not? I asked. I'll have burgers out to you in a moment, Ramon said. We've been running this business together for five years, said Donna, and he has never spoken to me. Is that true? Sylvia asked Ramon. He scowled. Our parents died, Donna said. Ramon furiously cleaned the spotless counter with a rag. They left us everything equally. Soon after their death, I sold their house. The house we grew up in. I didn't have time to consult with him, and he hasn't talked to me since. Order up! Ramon carried them over. Is it okay if I tell you something? I asked. Doubt I could stop you, he said. Someone hurt me, I said, betrayed me, and that has defined what my life has been for every second of every day after, and it has sucked. If I had any other choice, I'd take it. If you have any other choice besides being defined by a feeling of betrayal, you should jump for it. Jump for it like dry land to the drowned. Ramon's eyes softened. Gotta forgive her sometime, dude, Sylvia said through a mouthful of burger. It's really good, by the way. He grunted, returning to the counter. The paper napkins all had the word Praxis on them. Sylvia took one and did a sketch of Ramon, holding a burger and giving a stone-faced thumbs up to the viewer. On our way out, she presented it to him. He said nothing as he accepted, but his lip twitched upwards. Bye now, said Donna from the kitchen. Ramon's frown returned. An hour later, back on the road, I slapped the steering wheel, waking Sylvia up. Christ, what? she said. Are we in danger? Ah, I left my scarf at the burger place, I said. <sighs> oh well, I guess that scarf belongs to them now. It's hard to tell regions apart just by looking at the buildings now. A CVS is a CVS, a Starbucks is a Starbucks. I'm not here to moralize, I'm just telling you what it is to be a traveler now. Every place is built like every place. And so the only thing that tells you that you're moving is the nature that's been allowed to stay. 
As you head north, the trees shift from broad leafy canopies to the narrow spurs of conifers. Then the mountains turn from big hills to great structures of rock topped with vast slopes of untouched snow. Or on another drive, the hills dot themselves away into nothing and you realize you haven't seen elevation in hours, nor many trees, just a lot of grass and a lot of road. Or you leave behind a wetter, greener climate and you see the world around you fade from grass to kindling, to dirt and rocks, and then, like a sign marking a border you didn't know you were crossing, the first great cactus, harbinger of the waiting desert. It's up to nature to tell us we're moving. Otherwise, each Kmart sign looks like each Kmart sign. Every Subway sandwich tastes the same. A few days later, somewhere north of Madison, near Devil's Lake, there was this big stretch of hotels with indoor water parks for when the Wisconsin weather doesn't cooperate with the Wisconsin vacation. Near the hotels was a cluster of shopping centers, movie theaters, all the things you'd need if your camping trip is forced indoors. We were scanning for somewhere to eat, and Sylvia was, of course, the one who saw it. I guess they're a chain, she said. A burger-shaped sign. Praxis. Hmm, last one was good. Shall we? Something in me was afraid. But something in me is always afraid, and I've gotten very good at quieting that part of me. So I led the way in. You forgot your scarf, said Ramon. Donna waved at us from the kitchen. Sylvia and I froze, but Ramon was already bringing over my scarf, and Donna was indicating a table in the corner. What are you doing here? was the best I could manage. Well, we hardly ever leave the business, Donna said. Lots to do, Ramon said, folding up my scarf and putting it by me. Same as last time? Uh, sure, Sylvia said. Weren't you... She didn't seem to know if this was a subject she wanted to look at too closely, but she went forward anyway. Weren't y'all in New Jersey last time we saw you? Donna shrugged, splatting our patties on the grill. We don't get out much, Ramon said. And then, thanks, said absently as Donna gave him the burgers. She stopped, hands still on one of the plates. Did you just talk to me? She said. Well, like those two were saying, he said, not looking at her. Have to forgive sometime. Forgive? Donna started laughing. Oh, honey, okay. I'm glad we're talking now because we have some shit needs talking about. We sat at a table not sure what to do, caught between the mundanely awkward and the existentially impossible. When they died, you just gave up, Donna said. You refused to talk through the choices that we needed to make, so all of that was left up to me. 
I was on my own, and I was scared. But scared isn't any kind of excuse, so I did what needed to be done. I settled the estate, I sold the house to pay the bills, because there were bills, you know, medical bills, cemetery plots, and all of the debt. And then, once all of those choices were made, there you were to tell me I had done them wrong. And you just stopped talking to me, punishing me for making the choices that you couldn't make. And now, excuse me, now you fucking forgive me? Or something to that effect. I didn't do anything, Ramon said. Who was busy arranging the funeral? Oh, the funeral, said Donna. Of course, forget all the bills and the estate. You planned an evening. Sylvia pulled my sleeve and we left them shouting at each other, burgers unserved and uneaten. Behind the shouting figure of Ramon, I could see Sylvia's drawing tacked up on the wall next to the cash register. Stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts that had a drive-through window, and visible to the customers, there was a huge screen tracking the percentage the employees were hitting of their, quote, productivity target. It was at 67%. This person is 67% of what they are supposed to be. We are 33% disappointed. It's terrifying what we've allowed them to do to us so that we could get coffee a few seconds faster. It's a trade we all made, but we were never given time to think through the ramifications. On the highway between Houston and New Orleans, a stretch of bayou and of absolutely nothing else. Pulled off for gas and decided to get lunch too. We both saw it. Between an empty storefront with a half-collapsed banner saying we buy gold and a nail salon with only one employee who was on a smoke break outside, staring up with unfocused eyes at the sky. We didn't even comment on it. We just went in past the sign that said Praxis. Hey, Ramon said. Hi there, honeys, said Donna. You two seem happier, said Sylvia. We worked things out, Donna said. Maybe we both had to forgive and both be forgiven, said Ramon. It's nice that you're back. You'll be one of our last customers. Donna put two patties on the flat top without waiting for our order. Oh, you're, uh, closing up this place, I said. Running the business that our parents ran, said Donna. It was holding us back, keeping us in the same place mentally. We need to live our own lives. Thanks for visiting us along your travels. This restaurant has been in a different city every time we visit it, I said wanting to confront it directly if this was my last chance. Ramon shrugged. These things happen, he said. Do they? said Sylvia. What is praxis? I said. Donna smiled at me. Oh, honey, if you don't know that yet, don't worry. You'll find out when it's time. She assembled the burgers and rang the little bell, even though Ramon was right there, his hands already out. Thanks again for your business. 
Sylvia's sketch was still tacked to the wall, but it had faded. And the edges of the napkin had gone brittle. At a Bay and Creek Center near Buffalo, I asked about a delivery I did last year to a factory in Florida. Praxis, the name on the factory had said. What is Praxis? I asked. The shift supervisor, who had been looking over her papers in a daze of tedium, went stiff. Where did you hear that name? She said. You assigned me a route for them last year. We certainly did not. You need to tell me everything. Wait, hold on. She got up, reached for a phone. Not me. I don't want to hear a word of this. I'll call someone in here, and you are going to tell them everything you know about Praxis. She started dialing, and I got up and walked away. She shouted at me to wait, but I was most certainly not going to do that. What is Praxis, and why did the name upset my Bay and Creek supervisor so much? Another mystery for another day. It's time to help Sylvia with what she came to me for. I leave the truck, switch to a rented car. Sylvia sleeps in the back. Ooh, that girl can sleep. Me? I have trouble sleeping in the best of situations. And I haven't been in the best of situations in... Well, years now, probably. We drive for hours through New York until we reach the Hudson River. In Kingston, on the western shore, there is this huge area of chain restaurants and box stores and strip malls. It looks like they kept the rest of the area picturesque by jamming all of that into a couple of square miles, which is a pretty good plan. I drive around, looking for something specific, and I find it, next to a half-vacant mall anchored by a Target and what used to be a J.C. Penney's. There is a line of fast food franchises, and there is only one empty storefront. We get out, and I run my hand over the glass where the outline of the word Praxis is still visible. The inside is empty, all the furniture and fixtures removed. Yes, they really did move on, Sylvia said. How was that possible? I asked. We of all people are not in a position to go around asking those questions, she said. We start thinking about that. We're liable to go off the deep end. Good Lord. And so we get back in the car and cross the river. I head to the Taconic Parkway, passing a few Christmas tree farms and a number of horses wearing jackets. The Taconic is beautiful but narrow. Finally, we reach a gas station on the southern edge of Dutchess County, and I wake Sylvia up. Once she has regained the world, she takes on a look of determined sorrow. Yeah, she said. This is where my mother was murdered. What now? I said.
Now, we're going to figure out who really murdered her. Hey, Alice Heads, which is a name I just came up with for listeners of Alice Isn't Dead and that I don't think I'll ever use again. Anyway, I'm releasing two books this year, which is a weird thing to say, but I've been working on both of these for years and I'm so excited for you to read them. Okay, first on May 11th, 2021, the first 10 years, two sides of the same love story. So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night Vale between me, Joseph Fink, and Meg Bashmaner, voice of the Night Vale credits and MC and tour manager for the live Night Vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship, year by year, without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then, on July 20th, The Halloween Moon, my first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween, until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you're a fan of Alice Isn't Dead, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. And now, a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. Who's there? I think you know. I do. Can I come in? I don't think so. Come on. I need you to leave. That was never an option. Knock-knock. 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 Okay, well... Okay. This has been a production of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
I'm Joseph Fink, and I'd like to introduce you to I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, a podcast about the shifting line between artist and fan. When I was a child, reading the authors that I loved and listening to the music that I loved, the thing I got from that is that feeling of being understood somehow, and that weird connection, where it's not the person, it's not the stranger, it's the thing they've made that opens this space for self-reflection. I only listen to the Mountain Goats. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.